TransferWise is the smartest way to send and receive money internationally. With a lot of these kinds of systems, most people pay too much because there are often hidden extra fees in the exchange rate, whether at your bank or elsewhere. But with TransferWise, you always get the real rate when you send to over 70 countries. Join over 6 million customers and try it for free at TransferWise.com reset. Wednesday, January 8th, and this morning the world is watching and waiting to see what the United States does next after Iran retaliated last night for the killing of General Qasem Soleimani. Fifteen missiles launched from Iran at two U.S. bases in Iraq. No U.S. casualties reported. And only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. On Tuesday night, the U.S. got a taste of the Iranian retaliation everyone's been worried about in the form of a missile strike against U.S. military bases in Iraq. This is a developing story, which means there's also been a lot of speculation about what might happen next, and the risk of further physical attacks remains. But since the U.S. killed Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian general, experts have also been speculating about whether Iran might resort to another form of retaliation— cyber warfare. Experts say the risk of an Iranian cyber attack is real and it could cause disruption to the U.S. The one I worry about the most is cyber. In their ability, they're quite capable in this realm to launch a significant cyber attack against our financial institutions, our infrastructure. Quote, it is likely that the near-term increased tension between Iran and the U.S. could result in reactionary cyber attacks. My response to that speculation has been to ask this one question. How much should we worry about Iranian hackers? Based on what we know so far, one U.S. government website, the Federal Depository Library Program, has been hacked to show pro-Iran messages. And that's not great, but it was also fixed pretty quickly. So today on the show, we're going to talk about Iran as a cybersecurity threat to the U.S., we're going to explain why a cyber attack strategy makes sense for Iran and how a cyber attack by the U.S. got Iran to invest in its cyber warfare capabilities in the first place. I'm Ariel Zermross. This is Reset. Andy Greenberg, senior writer for Wired and author of the book Sandworm, A New Era of Cyber War, I keep seeing headlines that mention Iran's cyber warfare capabilities. I know you've covered this extensively in the past, so how much should we be thinking about cybersecurity and cyber attacks when it comes to the current conflict with Iran? Well, I think that it seems likely that cyber war or cyber attacks or some sort of hacking, at least, will be part of the one element of Iran's response to this. I mean, to be clear, the U.S. has killed one of the most important people in Iran, uh, one of the most influential government officials, probably in the whole Middle East. And Iran will be looking for a kind of response in kind that would would most likely involve killing people with physical means. So I don't want to pretend that cyber attacks are even the most important part of Iran's response but it seems likely that they will be one strain of it and that they may, in fact, be one that we will feel here in the U.S. And that's in part because 
Iran doesn't have parity with the U.S. military. They, their their military is far weaker than ours. But hacking and cyber war is a domain where it's a more level playing field, a an asymmetric、mm. conflict where a smaller country like Iran can deal some blows and make us feel. Pain. That's interesting. I do understand the idea that this is a way that Iran can hit the U.S. in the U.S. itself. So, where exactly are you getting this from? Is there a precedent for this? Right. Well, if we look at what Iran has done in the past, Iranian hackers have been、uh, advancing their capabilities for years. So let's back it up one bit and pay、uh, a little bit of respect to the coding in Iran. Inspectors with the UN's nuclear agency reportedly believe Iran has hacked into their cell phones and laptops and plant malware that would allow them to record every keystroke on their keyboard. But the the main thing that they have done, starting well in 2012, we started to see Iranian hackers. Use wiper malware, which is simply malicious code that hackers plant on target computers. And for in Iran's case, they would, for their target victims, simply plant this malware on as many computers as possible inside of a target network, and then just use it to destroy those computers, to delete all the data on them, to make them unrecoverable.、Um, that's what it means to wipe them, essentially. And、uh, they did this for Saudi Aramco. They did this to targeting Saudi Aramco in 2012. Iran destroyed every computer in Aramco, the Saudi Arabian oil company, a few years ago, using malicious malware and knocking down their systems. Iranian hackers targeted Saudi Aramco, this oil giant, and planted wiper malware that destroyed thirty-five thousand computers inside of the company. Actually, destroyed all the information, wiped clean thirty thousand computers, and rendered those computers junk. Which really crippled its operations, cost it tens of millions of dollars. It was the biggest cyber attack, by some measures, in history at the time. In fact, we've seen Iran do that again and again, mostly against its kind of usual targets in its own region, against Saudi Arabia, against the UAE. A recent cyber attack against energy companies from Saudi Arabia and Qatar is being blamed on Iran as retaliation for Western sanctions. But we've occasionally seen Iran. Do this、um, further afield too. We saw them hit the Italian company Saipem. I think is maybe how you say it. This、uh, company that does a lot of business with Saudi Aramco. They were hit with an Iranian wiper attack, I believe, in in late 2018. And we've even occasionally seen them hit、uh, targets on American soil, like the Las Vegas Sands Casino in 2014. After the casino's owner Sheldon Adelson said some extremely aggressive things about、um, why the U.S. should drop a nuclear weapon in Iran. Iranian hackers essentially hit Las Vegas Sands with this devastating wiper malware attack that rendered thousands of their electronic systems inoperable. A Sands official says gambling operations weren't affected, but the company was rattled. A former Sands employee says customers couldn't book rooms online for a couple of weeks and gave us a little taste of what it's doing far more often in the Gulf region, and so. Now that the gloves are off, maybe、um, following the Soleimani assassination, we might see more of those kinds of data destructive attacks hitting the U.S. and not necessarily against military or government targets, but private sector, you know,、um, civilian ones that are rather unprotected. And these are not terribly sophisticated attacks, but simply by destroying tens of thousands of computers or even more potentially with some sort of automated worm, perhaps you could. Really affect American society, and I'm not saying that this is necessarily going to happen. But if you observe 
Iran's cyber capabilities and its its patterns of behavior in the past, this seems to be a sort of go-to weapon. Do you think the U.S. is currently preparing for cyber threats from Iran? Do we know? Well, the Department of Homeland Security does seem to be preparing for this. They they even sent out a kind of public alert to all potential targets of Iranian cyber attacks to sort of um, buckle down and try to secure themselves and be prepared for these sorts of disruptive attacks, which is, you know, it's good that they're on top of it. It's a little unhelpful simply because uh, there are simply so many different potential targets right. and so many ways that hackers can get in to carry out these sorts of attacks that it's hard to know exactly what actions to take. Probably offline backups is one good thing that we should all be doing to prepare for our computers to be destroyed by Iranian hackers. <laughs> Just back up your data, guys. That's at least one practical step to take. But you know, the attacker always has the advantage in cyber war. And it's cer- certainly not a sure thing that even when you are fully prepared and see an attack coming that you'll be able to stop it. Do Iranian hackers have a preferred method of doing things? It sounds like they appreciate these data destructive attacks. Is there anything else that they tend to do? Well, yeah, I, I would say that those those wiper malware attacks are their kind of stock and trade. We've seen them do those attacks perhaps more than any other country in the world. I suppose Russia and North Korea have all done some. The U.S. even occasionally does them in targeted ways. Uh, but Iran has, has done them repeatedly for years. And they're very effective and quite disruptive, and they're, and they're not terribly hard to do. But we've seen Iranian hackers, their intent to develop more sophisticated techniques as well. Uh, we've seen them, for instance, just in the last year, trying to gain access to industrial control system software suppliers. And that means uh, software used by utilities in the power grid or water treatment facilities. They're trying to actually access the, the software vendors that would sell the software to those users. And that could be a way to sort of infiltrate the supply chain of these infrastructure companies, these infrastructure operators. And you know, that could be preparation for some sort of disruptive attack on, on infrastructure. But that's a lot harder to do. We've only really seen evidence that they're in the early stages of it. That that could even be just a kind of espionage that we're mistaking for, you know, an attempt to lay the groundwork for sabotage. Mm. So I, I don't want to overplay the possibility of those sorts of more advanced infrastructure attacks. We've seen Russian hackers cause blackouts in Ukraine, for instance, and that it's possible that Iran could try something like that, but they don't seem like they're quite there yet. It sounds like what you're saying is that they are have been increasingly focused on sort of infrastructure and physical systems and sort of messing around with that. With that in mind, who exactly is at risk when it comes to Iranian cyber attacks? Are we talking about businesses, financial institutions, the government, or actually just individual civilians? Governments, military, and definitely private sector targets are all potential victims of some future Iranian cyber attack. It seems like uh, private sector targets may be especially attractive because they're less guarded and destroying their entire computer networks can have really severe effects on the lives of, of people in you know very far away from Iran. Um, so that's an effective way for them to reach out and try to cause the U.S. some pain. Um, okay. Uh, but, but I don't think that the average person needs to worry about their PC being attacked by Iranian hackers. In terms of of how this could go down, and keeping in mind that this is all extremely hypothetical at this point, if Iran were to go after a U.S. company or a, a U.S. governmental agency, is that something where they would 
want us to know that it's them, or would they try to remain anonymous? It's a really interesting question because uh, one of the kind of advantages of cyber warfare usually is, is that it's deniable. And that may not be what Iran is seeking here. It seems like Iran wants to send a direct message to the U.S. It wants to show the world, the U.S., its own people, that it won't tolerate this attack on its leaders. So it could be that they totally claim responsibility for any cyber attack that they do, in which case they can operate in some ways less carefully. It sort of um, makes their job easier, uh, and it may allow them to do something that's more dramatic than they would have accomplished if they had to cover their tracks, if they had to you know, build in deniability or try to pin it on false flag, you know, some um, deception tactic to make it look like it was somebody else. All of that might limit what they can do. And if they're taking credit for it, then they may do something that's even bigger. How good are Iranian hackers? Like, do they compare to China and Russia or do they still have some catching up to do? I would say that the Chinese and Russian state-sponsored hackers are at a higher level. Uh, They are probably more sophisticated than Iranian hackers. But Iran's hacking operations do, I think, punch above their weight, in part because they've just been so aggressive. The kind of wiper attacks that we were just talking about, they're not terribly hard to do. Um, they're, They're not like virtuosic sort of technical hacking. Iran has simply been brazen enough and reckless and aggressive enough to actually do them, and they have repeatedly. And that makes them really dangerous, even though they're probably sort of one level cruder in their operations than China or Russia. And I would say like significantly simpler in their capabilities than what uh, the NSA or U.S. Cyber Command is capable of. Coming up after the break, how Iran developed cyber warfare capabilities that the U.S. now has to worry about. Jillian Weinberger, host of The Impact, a podcast from Vox about how powerful people affect the rest of us. This season, we're looking at the big ideas from all the people running for president in 2020. Hit this opioid crisis head on. Public option. Move away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency. And it's going to be a great wall and it's going to work. A lot of those ideas have actually been tried before, like that wall Trump wants to build. Nogales, Arizona has had one on its border for decades. I don't understand why individual people have a right to have a fence, and yet a country can't. Senator Warren's proposal to end the opioid crisis, it's based on what we did to fight the AIDS epidemic. We would like to name it the Ryan White Care Act. And the Green New Deal. Germany tried something similar in 2000. This is the solution. This season on The Impact, we have those stories. How the big ideas from 2020 candidates worked or didn't work in other places or at other times. These are the stories that will help us understand what might happen if these proposals get rolled out here in the next four years. Subscribe to The Impact on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to get new episodes now. So, Andy Greenberg, reporter for Wired, how did Iran become the cybersecurity threat that it is today? Was it always this way or did something happen? 
Well, the sort of origin story of Iran's uh, cyber capabilities is that they were first the victim of one of the most important cyber attacks in history. They were the target of it. It begins with a simple USB key, then with surgical precision, penetrates some of the world's most advanced computer security. Using a computer virus called Stuxnet. The Stuxnet virus, and not only was it a computer virus, but it actually did real harm inside those Iranian nuclear facilities. One of the biggest questions people want to know is who did the Stuxnet worm that's infecting the Iranian nuclear weapons program? If it worked, it was probably us. And right now we're hearing and seeing the effects of that virus. It appears as though it certainly did work in delaying the Iranian nuclear program, at least for a couple of years, by making the centrifuges spin out. Stuxnet, this joint U.S.-Israeli operation to um, release a piece of malware called Stuxnet uh, that first was deployed in 2007 in the Natanz uh, nuclear enrichment facility, an underground facility in, in Iran that was being used to develop nuclear weapons. And Stuxnet, as your listeners may remember, was designed to destroy, physically destroy the centrifuges in the underground facility to sabotage Iran's efforts to create a nuclear bomb. That was a kind of opening of Pandora's box. The, the world had seen nothing like that cyber weapon before. And I think it's fair to call Stuxnet a cyber weapon because it it really did physical damage to equipment. And after that, Iran did seem to want to play catch up. It, it saw what had, had been done to it and uh, wanted to build those capabilities itself. And it has invested in the years since in developing its own uh, hacking groups. And it very quickly ramped up and started doing very very aggressive and destructive things with those groups. I mean, um, the Saudi Aramco attack that we talked about at the beginning of this interview was retaliation for Stuxnet. And the next year, Iran's hackers launched these uh, denial-of-service attacks, these kinds of waves of junk traffic that hit U.S. banks and took their websites offline for weeks. And that was another um, very crude, as these sort of things go, but nonetheless very disruptive. And it showed that Iran, even if they didn't have these Stuxnet-like capabilities, they had the the will to try to reach out and cause some digital mayhem. Okay, so Iran was a victim of a cyber attack itself, something that was extremely effective, and then it decides to invest in its cyber warfare capabilities. Is that correct? That's right, and and you know we started to see those simpler attacks. And just the years after Stuxnet came to light, 2012 and 2013, and then over the years that followed, we've seen Iran develop more sophisticated techniques. They've started um, messing with DNS, for instance, the kind of directory system of the internet to do espionage at a pretty uh, mass scale. And they're showing signs that they want to develop the ability to hack industrial control systems, which is certainly another kind of level of sophistication, which would allow them to to reach out and and sort of touch physical equipment and sabotage things like power grids or water treatment facilities or oil refineries, which is, in fact, exactly what was done to them with Stuxnet, this sort of digital to physical attack. Iran is showing signs of wanting to do that themselves, although we haven't seen them demonstrating any success yet. Stuxnet was in many ways the first true act of cyber warfare in history. So what you're saying is that the U.S. started this? Um, the U.S. did not. Well, the U.S. started this particular moment by killing Qasem Soleimani. But the U.S. also, in like a broader arc of this little history, started this cyber war 
tit-for-tat with Iran as well. But even more recently, U.S. Cyber Command also carried out this exact sort of wiper dated destructive attacks against Iranian intelligence units. But it's really important to note that when Cyber Command, when the U.S. does this, it's usually very, very targeted. Stuxnet was a very targeted attack on a, a military target, on a, a weapons facility, essentially. Although it was discovered because the malware spreads to unintended targets, it didn't actually cause any damage to those collateral victims, but it but it, it crashed some computers and, and allowed security researchers to discover that piece of malware. These other attacks, like the one on the Iranian intelligence units more recently, they're extremely targeted strikes, whereas what we see from Iran is both broader, less restrained, and more reckless in, in its kind of uh, willingness to hit private sector, civilian, non-military targets. So these are really different ways of going about using the kind of cyber forces that these two countries have. All right. I think that's really, really helpful. Is there anything that we didn't cover that that you really feel is important when talking about this? It's really important to note that cyber espionage may turn out to be the most impactful of all of Iran's hacking activities right now. It won't be as visible. In fact, it, it could be entirely silent. But if Iran has gained access to American military or government targets, they could use that to identify targets for actual physical acts of terrorism or simply missile launches. I mean, the sorts of more traditional warfare that could really cost far more lives than any cyber attack ever would. So it's it's important to remember that the kind of far more common use of this state-sponsored hacking capability is simply spying. Andy Greenberg covers security, privacy, and hacker culture for Wired. He's also the author of the book Sandworm, A New Era of Cyber War. Andy, thank you for speaking with me today. Well, thank you for talking about this. Based on President Trump's statement today, it doesn't look like the United States is going to war with Iran. But there are still lots of questions to be answered. If you're wondering what happened in Iraq last night, what's going on in Iran right now, how Iraq feels about these two countries beefing on its soil, or what exactly the president's statement today means for U.S. policy in the Middle East, check out our sister podcast, Today Explained. They've got you covered. For more context, you can also take a look at the links that we left in our show notes for you. I'm Ariel Zimros. This is Reset. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. So if you haven't already, subscribe to the pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It seriously really helps us, and I read the reviews. We'll be back on Sunday. Later, nerds.